Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Sleaze, a TCU Horn Frog is the latest winner on the PGA Tour. Tom Hoagie gets it done at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. How about it? Been a long time since J.J. Henry hoisted <laughs> some crystal, you know what I mean? About time to get a frog in there. If it couldn't be me, which it's not, glad it's Tom Hoagie. What a guy. I mean, 202 starts, I believe, since he got on the PGA Tour. He's knocked on the door a oh. few times. Most recently, I mean, uh, down in La Quinta, had a chance, finished runner-up to Hudson Swafford, and he didn't do anything to lose it. Hudson just kind of took it with the eagle on 16, birdie on 17, but he's been knocking on the door, and damn, what a way to get it done. Not only at Pebble Beach, pretty good spot to do it, but you're looking up after his double on five, he's got Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantley. Those are two guys that uh, give up the lead too often when they get it. Yeah, he's been playing great. He's been on a roll. I mean, I just love the way he go, goes about it. I mean, listen, he's he's a gambler. On and off the golf course, Correct. which I respect tremendously. But, you know, when you think about the way he plays golf, Pebble Beach is a perfect fit. I mean, really small, tiny greens. You got the fairways aren't that hard to hit. You got to be really precise with your irons. And that's what he does. And he switched to a new putter recently. And the putt on 17, my God, I mean, that was just massive. Pretty much. I've never seen a tournament flip flop so fast. I was covering Jordan Spieth's group for CBS. He's got a two shot lead through 16. All of a sudden, bam, Jordan makes makes bogey on 17. Hoagie almost damn near holds it on 16. How about that shot? Flips it, then he birdies 17. I'm like, this thing just went from, it looked like a Jordan Spieth was going to cruise. most likely. To now Tom Hoagie's cruising. Just, lay, I mean, not layup, sure it didn't feel like, I know it didn't feel like a layup to Tom, but walking into 18, you get to hit a hybrid off that tee. He had to hit an eight iron up over the tree for a second. He had seven, by the way, he hit seven iron, and we had him on the radio this morning. He's like, that was a seven iron. And he's like, it's a little more than I would ideally like to have in there, but hit a hell of a shot. And then the two putts, he's like, you know, I looked back, I had the four-foot comeback or whatever, and I know Bo's two back, and I look back and I see Bo in the middle of the fairway, and I'm like, you know, immediately, of course, it's your first time trying to get a, trying to get a win, and he's like, I, I know Bo's going to make eagle. So he's like, I have to make. So he felt like that was the one to win the golf tournament. But you're right, dude, it flipped. I mean, the shot on 16, probably the shot of his life, that 9-iron that damn near found it. And then, he, you know, see something you don't see too often from Jordan Spieth with a little, a little hiccup, short miss on um, 17 with an iron that I'm sure he loved when it came off the face. Yeah, he flushed it. Um, first off, I'm glad he just had the opportunity to make bogey on 17 because what we saw on Saturday on number eight, I was there. It was so freaking scary, dude. I went over there and walked to where his ball was on the edge of the cliff. I took a stance and I said, there is no way in hell I'd hit this ball. Joe Griner, Max Homa's caddy, texted me, said, no chance I let Max Zero. hit the ball. Michael Greller begged him not to hit that golf ball. At the end of the day, Jordan thought he could do it. He pulled it off, but whew. Dude, it was my palms were sweaty sitting there watching it. I mean, I was about fifty yards up in front of him on the left, looking back, and I'm like, "What happens if this foot slips?" Like, what? I know what happens, and it ain't good. I saw the ball from the overhead view. I was like, "No chance, even as a stance." I don't think he, he's just gonna pull it back and hit an iron, you know. And then he gets up there and he takes a stance. I'm like, "Oh my god, I think he's gonna hit this thing." Like, it's getting a lot of attention on on Twitter and social media and all that stuff. Like, come on, it's a golf shot. I'm like, dude, that's no. you're dead. Like, I don't it's freak out too much about ball. golf shots, but I was like, that one's, especially on a Saturday, not even the final round for a guy that, if he, he wants to win, of course, for his legacy, but it doesn't change his life if he wins. I could almost see it, if, if A, if it was a Sunday, and it's like, okay, it's closing time, or B, if it's a guy, let's say it's Tom Hoagie there on a Sunday, and the same, it's like, dude, a win changes your life at that point, and you're like, maybe I can just slap it down there, and I don't got to, you know, take a drop and do all that, but for Jordan Sweet to do it on a Saturday, I was, dude, I, I was floored by that. As one of the few guys, I think, that actually got to go over there and stand and see exactly what it was like, man, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was really, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I was just trying to somehow not make light of a situation that could be very, very serious, but at the same time, not be like, holy shit, this guy might just die right here. Yeah. Which is what, honestly, if the front foot Which slips, is what everyone was what's going to happen. 
Yeah, which is what everyone was was thinking. It's like they need to fence that thing off going forward because now everybody's going to walk over and be like, oh, this is where Jordan hit it from. Like Sergio at Medina from behind the tree where everyone that showed up there started hitting the shot that they had to put like a plaque and rope it off because the grass was just dying over there. People are going to walk over and be like, oh, this is where it went down. Could be some problems. You get a few too many trannies up in you. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yep. But congratulations to Tom Hoagie. That was very well-earned. He's been playing great. It was awesome to see. Before we get going, I got to tell you a little bit about our friend Gary Woodland, who I'm not very happy with right now. Just with him. Saturday, what did he do? Well, I was very nice. I was gone at Pebble Beach last week, and I gave him my car for the week. Yep. Because rental cars, you know, they're pretty expensive nowadays, and he had to rent two because he got the whole family coming in. So I I I flew to Pebble. He goes, hey, I'll drop your car off at Signature because I'm flying back in. I was like, perfect. He sends me a picture with it on empty on gas tank. The gas tank was empty. And then he said, I hope you, have you ever played the game? Find the poopy diaper because he's got three kids. And I was like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, yep, there's a poopy diaper in your, <laughs> in your car somewhere. Go ahead and get ready to look for it. He was obviously kidding. It showed up full tank of gas and it was washed. But my Bluetooth connected to the phone. There we go. And as I'm driving, I see this little pop up and it says little dick <laughs> as the name of my Bluetooth. Little dick. dick. <laughs> and I guess obviously he thought I probably wouldn't notice for a little yeah. while. So I immediately call him and he just answers, just dying laughing. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's, I didn't know, even know if you knew about that yet. So I was out at TPC on Saturday fulfilling some Thunderbird duties. Oh, right? wow. we're, we're in the parking lot, right? Your car pulls in. I'm like, oh shit. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, it's scary. Right. So yeah. I'm like, immediately like, stop. I'm like, hey, sir, can I see a credential? Or he's like, hey, what's up? We start talking. And he's like giggling, and I'm like, he's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. He points me into the screen. He's like, look, I changed his name to Little Dick on here, and he, he was laughing like he was in eighth grade. I was just dying. He was going out to practice. He's like, don't tell him, don't tell him. I want it to be a surprise when he gets back. God, he is such an oh, idiot. Oh god, and yeah. Then we ended up playing golf the next day. I had a great crew out there with some of the fellas, and uh, he was still laughing about. It. I was like, dude, I changed it to Little Dick. He's so proud of himself. And by the way, I haven't been home long enough to try to fix it. I have no clue how to even start. LD, that might be the new. But name. I'll, but I'll try to figure it out. But. You might notice this hat because this week is the greenest show on turf. The Mm. WM Phoenix Open, which you'll be at. I'll be out there covering for Golf Channel and CBS this week. I'm going to be wearing this thing around all around TPC Scottsdale. I'm going to actually have some to throw out into the crowd on 16 on Saturday. So be on the look for that. These are special. It's a hot look, bro. Hot look, LD. I love you in that thing. (laughs) But I did just, I played the Monday Pro-Am out there. And the course is looking incredible. The ball is bouncing. Greens are perfect, by the way. And the weather looks incredible. I cannot wait for this week to get going. Pushing 80 all week. Ooh. Fans are going to be out. I got the. We just had our first ever concert at the Coliseum oh, on 16 yeah. in between, dude. Old Dominion, Thomas Rhett. It was a. It was, it was a scene. It looked. I saw videos. Unbelievable. Christened the place nicely. Fully lubed up. 16. It's ready to go for some action. That was a. That's awesome. That's going to happen going forward. Now it was such a success. Next year's Super Bowl. Some names being floated around already. They might be showing up for that. But that's awesome. It's like this thing starts now. You know, a week in advance, and people are. I mean, I think it's. I think we stopped keeping attendance records back in 2018 because it's just too hard and it gets too big. But like this will probably be the most ever through the gates. Great. Can't wait. Oh, it's going to be. I bet everyone will say some really nice things to me as I'm rolling through the fairway. Down oh, the fairway. you're going to be perfect. I'd wear rain gear on 16 if you're set up there. There can be some, you know, well-lubricated fans. But if you're tossing out green green BJ's hats, you know what I mean, from the LD, <laughs> you'll be fine. They're going to love you. Sleeves, we got a banger of an episode this we week. Go. This one, I, I'm very, very excited about to see what everybody thinks. One of the legendary golf instructors in the game, you know, became very famous when he started working with Tiger Woods. He's worked with Marco Mira in the past. Wrote a book. That was very controversial. Some people liked it. Some people hated it. But Hank Haney sits down with us for an hour, and it is fantastic. One of the few people in the world 
who's been able to be inside the inner circle of Tiger Woods and share that space. And I would say arguably the only guy who's willing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And he comes out and he opens up. We, of course, get into almost all, almost exclusively Tiger stuff. That's what everyone wants to know. And like, we've heard a lot of stories. We've been around a lot of golfers. I I was just captivated by what he was saying because I hadn't heard it face to face firsthand. And it is some interesting stuff. This is a really genuinely very, very interesting interview. Yep. I don't want to spoil any of it. Let's get to it. Here's Hank Haney on Golf Subpar. All right. The man with us here today, one of the most renowned swing instructors in the game, worked with elite talents, all of them, Tiger, Mark O'Mara, Barkley, Ray Romano, you name it, the man has his fingerprints all over him. Hank Haney in the building. How are we doing, Hank? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be with you guys. This is like an honor to be with you guys here. Oh, man. Honor for it's us. An honor dude. for us. First off, I mean, you've traded in the golf hat for pickleball now. I know. You're diehard yeah, pickleball. Pickle. I love pickleball. I, I, I mean, I, golf and pickleball, two greatest games in the world, for sure. I mean, I, I'm a pickleball nut. Uh, I feel like my best golf is behind me, 67 years old. I feel like my best pickleball is not behind me. Okay, so perfect. That, that's my logic on pickleball, uh, and I keep trying to get better. I like getting better at stuff. So, and I like studying, you know, learning, and it's fun. Do you get more frustrated when pickleball doesn't go right, or when golf used to not go right? Uh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Probably both. I'm not real pleased with myself when I uh, <laughs> hit a bad pickleball shot, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm decent pickleball player. But I'm not, you know, a great pickleball player. It's like, you know, I win some tournaments, and then I, and I think, you know, what did I just win? I won like the second flight of the club championship. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not a pro, and I, you know, so it's weird playing in tournaments when you win, but you win in like the second flight. So, yeah. so you didn't really hey, win anything. You got to win a second flight before you win the That's championship, true. though. That's true. I got to, like, as pickle gets more and more popular, so many golfers are yeah. getting into it. Like, we got a bunch of buddies, myself included. I prefer to play pickle now over golf if I got it. <laughs> and I get way more pissed off after losing in pickleball to my friends than I would if I lost them on the golf course. Right. And, like, five years ago, it would have been flipped. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, how you know. Uh, I know you're up at Gazer. Matt yeah. Kuchar's turned into a big pickleball player, I think. He's good. It seems like pretty much everything yeah, he's he does. Good. Hand eye. He's, he's got some serious pickleball game. Really good. I mean, he's like he's like a five zero player, for sure. I mean, he's a good player. He's, yeah, same he's with really his good. Pong. He's like way better than me. I we played in the finals of the like club championship. It was a partner deal, and he's uh, he's tough. Yeah. yeah. Any sure. other tour guys? You seen their game on the courts? Uh, I heard Daniel Summerhays is really good. Yeah, he's, he's the name really that gets good. Uh, Phil Mickelson's a good player. Really good. Phil Phil was modeling his Tom Brady (laughs) pickleball line the other day. He's good. Uh, You know, I mean, you know, Ricky Barnes is a good player. He's a really good player. Uh, I think he's like one of the better players I've seen. I mean, he's got just, you know, he's a great athlete, but he's just got good instincts for the game. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because pickleball is like golf in certain ways. I mean, one way is, is that, you know, you have to have power. I don't have a lot of that, but, but. You know, you also turn around and you hit a powerful shot and then you immediately hit a touch shot. And that's that's where the similarity, I think, in golf. You know, you can hit that long shot, but then you, now all of a sudden you got to hit a, a, a pitch or, a you know, a chip or a, a putt and you got to have great touch. And, and it's like instantaneous. I mean, the hard one, then you go immediately to a soft one. And a lot of guys can't do that. And that's one of the things that's that's cool about the game, I think. 
Yeah. That's awesome. That, I never really thought about that. And if that you only got one of the two, yeah. it's yeah, a problem against playing. the guy that's got not, both. Yeah, the guys that bang it all the time, yeah. they're, they're, they're not, you know, you're going to beat them. The guy that's just got a soft game only, you know, he can't go either. So it, it, it's it's like golf in, in that way right now. I like it. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better here. Let's go back to the beginning. What got you into the game of golf? Oh, man. My dad played golf. I mean, I, I played golf. I played like golf, I didn't start till I was like 12 years old. I played every sport. You know, honestly, I was the best player in every team I was ever on, and my teams always sucked. And I, I and I, and then as soon as I got into golf, I thought, okay, this is all me. And you know, if if I don't do good, it's all me. I don't have to worry about anybody else. And I think that was the thing that I really loved about the game. And I and I, I loved the challenge of it. I mean, it's so incredibly hard uh, that you know you 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 hit that one good shot and. You know, same way it grabs everybody, I think. You hit that one good shot and you think, why can't I do it again? So I just uh, gravitated towards golf. And I was a hockey player, you know, and, and a golfer. And I was probably better at, at, at hockey, but I, I was a little small. Uh, and then I, you know, I got a golf scholarship to University of Tulsa. And, and then, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm going to be a golfer. And then I, I just love coaching. So I, I, I uh, majored in education there and I started coaching like during school, like one of my classes was to coach golf at, at uh, the rec centers in Tulsa. And then as soon as I got done, I just started coaching golf. So no interest in trying to play professionally. Yeah, did you chase yeah, it at I mean, all? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was a decent player. I mean, I played, you know, I was an all-conference golfer, whatever that means. But I, Ron Streck was my roommate. And I think I, I beat, like, Ron, like, maybe like – I think I beat him one time in college. It was like a qual- qualifying round. And I shot, like, 60 – two and he shot 63 and he got, he was so pissed he wouldn't talk to me for like two days we were roommates okay and and uh that was like the only time i ever beat him and i'm like you know there's just, people think they can play and you guys know this i mean and and you know when you know when you can't play i mean You're, and it's a, it's a big difference you I know mean, and you've yeah. always been I've, I've known you for quite a long time you've always been one of the very honest ones about it whether someone's got yeah. it or someone doesn't yeah. and I, I respect that because yeah. i mean there's a lot of people out there that are probably wasting their time yeah, yeah. i mean it's just it, you know if you and you see somebody that can really play and ron had a good career i mean won a couple times on the pga tour one on the champions tour one on the nike tour but i mean it's not like he was the best player in the world mm-hmm. but I mean, his level was just so different than the level that I was playing at. And, and I, you know, I didn't want to try to play. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 28 years old and you've never had a real job in your life. So at 20, at 23, I was the director of instruction for the Pinehurst Golf School, the biggest golf resort in the world. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, this is this is pretty good. Right yeah, that's there. pretty good at age 23. And it was while you were down there, I believe, you got your first, if you want to call it, like, big break. Yeah. Your first, like, every teacher, you kind of need yeah. a pro, I think, to 100%. get you started, to give you credibility. Yeah. That's where you got yours, huh? Yeah, yeah, Mark O'Meara. I mean, without if I didn't meet Mark O'Meara, nobody nobody know who Hank Haney was. I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys. I wouldn't have had all the great opportunities I've had in the game of golf. I mean, you, just, you can think you're good. You can, you know, be confident and all those things, but you got to be able to prove it. And you have to have a great student. And I was lucky. I mean, if you have one Mark O'Meara in your career, and I've had more than one, but if you had one Mark O'Meara in your career, you're, you're a lucky coach for sure. And, and I met Mark. He was 124th on the money list on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, two years later, he was second on the money list. So, you know, all of a sudden people thought, you know, Hank Haney must know something. And 
I felt like I, I knew a lot about the backswing. You know, I, I probably didn't know too much about the downswing. I didn't give any refunds, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just you do the best you can. You keep you keep trying to get better. But Mark was for sure. How that? Really yeah, was that how, like, how to start? Like, how did you get in touch with him? Uh, he he was on the driving range, and a good friend of mine, uh, Ken Crow, was on the one of our teachers. And Mark said, "Hey, would you watch me hit some balls?" And there was like two tournaments to go in the year, and Ken said, well, let me get somebody else. And he went and got me, and Ken drugged me out there. And I didn't even want to go. Because I honestly, I thought, is he's, this is one of his club pro buddies that just missed the cut, mm -hmm. and he wants me to watch him. And, you know, it had been a long way. I didn't really want to do it. So I, anyway, he drags me out there. It was Mark O'Meara. And I, I stood back there, and Mark said, would you watch me hit some? And I stood there for like, you know, seemed like a long time. And, I, and he said, are you going to say anything? And I said, I'm thinking about what you need to do. I said, why don't we go inside? We'll have a little, you know, Coke or something. And we'll, I'll talk about what I think your plan should be. And he said, I don't have any time for that. And he said, if you, you just start telling me something. He says, if I don't start making, if I don't make these last two cuts, I'm not going to be on the PGA Tour. But anyway, we went in and we sat down. Then we started working that weekend. And, you know, then he just gradually got better. He kept his card and, you know, and two years later, he was knocking yeah. on the door all the time. And, and the thing is, though, back then, there wasn't a lot of that. See, I was really the first, a lot of people don't realize, I was like one of the first people to do that. Because back in the day, when I started coaching, all the top teachers were teaching golf schools. They weren't teaching pros. And in fact, Mark is the one who told uh, Nick Faldo, he says, you got to get a coach. And Nick and Nick Faldo went and got up with David Ledbetter. Mm -hmm. But it started with, with, uh, with, with Mark and I. And just, you know, Mark, he's... Uh, you know, you guys know him, and he's just a great guy, and he's got a big mouth, too. You know, he likes to talk, so, you know, he was just singing my praises all the time. Because a lot, you know, a lot of guys you help, and they won't say a word, and Mark wasn't like that. So he really, you know, he he is the whole reason that I've I've had so many great things happen to me in golf. It's all because of him. I want to, since we're on the topic of Mark O'Meara, I want to talk a little bit about that 98 season, because yeah. he obviously wins two majors, yeah. which one of the best seasons you can possibly have in the game of golf. Was that, did you see that type of golf coming or was yeah. that something just kind of be like, oh boy, he got hot and just wrote it out that whole well, year? Well, the one thing is like to win, to win, you have to be able, you've got to be able to make the last putt. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing. And I always say like to win a major, you probably got to make putts on two of the last three holes. And Mark could always do that. Like Mark, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the top finishing rates in the history of the PGA Tour, and I'm talking about on the lead or tied for lead on Sunday, it's like it's like Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Ben Hogan, and Mark O'Meara. Mm. So Mark did, you know, Mark won 18 times on tour, enough to make it to the Hall of Fame. But you know, he didn't he didn't win like you know Tiger or Jack or anything. But he he was a great finisher. So if he could get there, he would usually get the job done. So that's a great trait to have. So. But I didn't know, you know, if he would would make. I always told Mark, I said, "You're a great player." He said, "Hank, I'm not a great player." He said, "He said, uh, you know, Jack Nicklaus is a great player. Tiger Woods is a great player. He said, I'm a I'm a good player. I'm not." I said, "You're a great player." He said, no, I'm not a great player. <laughs> anyway, when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, I texted him. I said, "They don't have any good players in the yeah, Hall of Fame." Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> he sounds like a golfer, but being that, like, if you take just from a talent perspective, those other names you just mentioned in terms yeah. of clothes, those are like the elite, most yeah. talented guys. God, some of his God given. Yeah. You can't yeah. teach what a lot right. of those guys have, and to do that with Mark, make him a two time major champ or help him become a two-time major champion that's got as a teacher that's got to be oh, yeah. a pretty big feather in the cap i would think even maybe more so 
than having one of those elite guys and help him continuing. A hundred percent, because you you look at where he went from, 124th on the money list to Hall of Fame. You know, I mean that. You know, I mean, I had a great time helping Tiger. You know, his win percentage was incredible when I helped him. He won 45 percent of the time, but it was it's you know he was great before I ever was there. Uh, you know, did he get better statistically? Yes. You know, win percentage? Yes. But not like Mark O'Meara. You know, I mean, that's the difference. When you take somebody from that level and you, and you, you know, get to the ultimate, to me, the ultimate, I mean, Hall of Fame, that doesn't get any better than that. So it's, um, you know, it, it's fortunate to be an instructor and have that opportunity. It's hard to win that many times without like some sort of crazy kind of elite talent. Like I'm longer than everybody. Or I'm the world's yeah, yeah, best yeah. putter yeah, right, or something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, 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 and he wasn't like, you know, he's just steady. He's just steady, steady, steady. But his his formula for winning was, you know, tight. You know, no three putts, no penalty shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a hole, a couple bombs. Probably have to chip in somewhere in 72 holes or hole a shot. And, you know, get the ball up and in. I mean, it just it's just a tight formula. Not like Tiger. You know, Tiger could yeah. win a lot of different ways. I mean, Mark had to win with one specific formula and, and and that's you can't win that much with that formula but he won you know his fair share yeah, for sure. it's just the yeah. margin of error is yeah, the way smaller right for sure but it was and, a different game then too yes yeah, it true. was no doubt about yeah. it his it would be interesting to see like what kind of career he would have if he played now yeah well he'd he'd, he'd still do good because he can make that last putt yeah you know you got to be able to make that last putt and he can do it and he can hit the shot when he has to and he always could, and that's something that you know he didn't really learn from me. He just he just had it. So you've got to be able to, to do that, um, you know. And I and you know I know the the game's different. It's changed. I mean, it's but there's still certain golf courses. I mean, Colin Morikawa is not super long, mm-hmm. and he's you know doing pretty darn good now. You know, there's courses where you wouldn't pick him as a favorite. But there's a lot of courses where he can do just fine. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, through your relationship with Mark, I believe, is how you got to know Tiger. Yeah. Obviously yeah. very well. Yeah. What was your relationship with Tiger before you started working with him? Well, I, I, I coached the, the Keeney kids who you mm-hmm. know from Dallas and, and uh, they were friends with Tiger. So I'd i I'd met Tiger, you know, quite a few times even before Mark knew Tiger. And then, you know, obviously I was around Tiger a lot with Mark because we whenever we'd practice at Alworth where they both lived you know, Tiger would always be there. So we would play with them and practice with them. And, you know, I always had a, a, a good relationship with Tiger. And, you know, when, when Tiger was looking for a coach, I don't, it's a short list you're picking from, you know, and uh, if you're Tiger Woods and I, I was one of the people on that list. So, you know, it, it worked out pretty good for me. I mean, when he called me, you know, and I pinched myself and he said, would you, you know, help me? And, and uh, you know, you, you can't believe you're getting that call. You know, I mean, no matter how, good you are or re- your resume or whatever you still it's uh incredible opportunity to work with arguably the greatest player ever and um you know then he asked me you know what do you think about my game and i said probably the biggest understatement of all time i said i think it's pretty good it's all right you're <laughs> on the right track kid yeah, he says he says he says what do you what do you think i uh i need to do to be better and i said i you know what it, it's hard for me to tell what your plan is i said i you know you got obviously great knowledge and you know a great player and everything but i think you need to have a better plan from you know a to z to take you you know to where you could possibly be and and then i really just thought you know i get in there and i'll just you know just 
get out of his way, don't screw him up, and everything will be fine. And then, you know, I got in there, and it was a little more difficult, obviously, than you thought because, cause, you know, certain things that people, like, think about his game or say about his game, you know, they're not really accurate. Yeah, and I would say from all the guys he's worked with, I mean, there's only a handful of coaches yeah. he's worked with, but his swing changed the most working with you visually-wise. Yeah. Like, to the average yeah. guy at home, I would say you could yeah. look and be like, okay, that swing looks different yeah. than what it did yeah. before yeah. or after. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he he – Played better too. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that, but you know, like I always, I tell people, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but no one's entitled to their own facts. So when you look at the statistics, that's what the statistics say: uh, is ball striking, uh, you know, and everything but his fairways hit, which people used to pick on me. I said that's not an important statistic. I said the important statistic is, you know, all he has to do is just be able to find his ball. You know, as long as you don't take penalty strokes and you hit it as far as he did. That's fine. And now with now when they have the strokes gain statistics off the tee, you look back and during the years I coached him, he was top ten in, in strokes gained off the tee. But everybody would pick on he's not hitting very many fairways. Yeah, but he's hitting it forever. Yeah. You know, so it, it 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 changed for sure. We tried, you know, just tried to eliminate his 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 bad shot and you know, always based my coaching around hitting the nine shots with Tiger. A straight ball, low, medium and high. Right to left, low, medium, and high. Ball starting right, curving back to the target, but not past the target. And then left to right, low, medium, and high. And it's, uh, that was the whole thing that mm -hmm. drove us all the time. And, you know, he'd call me and say, I got my draws going, I can't hit my fades. I got my fades going, I can't hit my draws. You know, I'm got, I got the ball up, I can't get it down. You know, and, just, and that was just always the way it went, just trying to keep everything in balance. When Tiger calls you and you get that phone call, mm -hmm. A, you're probably the most excited you've ever been in your life. Ever. I think I would assume most teachers yeah. in the world dream of working with yeah. the best player in the world. Yeah. But you also got to know when you hang that phone up, like, okay, that's the most, that's, he's under the microscope more than any athlete, I yeah. would say, in the world. And now all of his results are yeah. going to be a direct, yeah. direct reflection yeah. on me as a teacher. That's yeah. got to be a yeah. ton of, pro I mean, the most yeah. pressure you can have. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just, you concentrate on just doing your job, doing the best you can. You, you know, I didn't really feel that when I was, coaching with him although you know i remember when well, one stretch he won seven tournaments in a row i thought you know they'll, they'll be off my ass for at least a couple of weeks you know <laughs> that buys me and, one and, loss and, and uh, you know but um you, you don't kind of think about it because you're just trying to get better like that's the way i think i always just try to get better and tigers all like that he was always like what do we need to do next he'd win a tournament he'd call me the next morning what's the plan now what do we need to do to get better that's just how it was. So it's always pushed on. There's no celebrating anything. It, you know, majors a little more, but but the normal tournaments they didn't mean much to him. He just push on. Let's just keep trying to get better. And you know you don't feel it so much when you're in it, like but you feel it like when you're out of it. So like it's like uh, the analogy is like the, you know if a frog jumps in a a pot of boiling water, it'll it'll immediately jump out. But if you if the frog's in the pot and you turn the heat on, it'll stay in there until it dies. And that's what it feels like like when you're done. You know, you, you're done. You're like, whoa, that was that was tough. That was a ride. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was a ride. So did you start to feel it more the longer you – I mean, you were with him for six yeah, years. It was like you know, starting off, you didn't feel – and then maybe four, well, five, six. Well, I mean, six. I was there through all the, you know, the the scandal and everything. So it's, it's a lot. But, you know, and, and the injuries, you know, the knee – uh, you know, so there's a lot, there's some ups and downs, but I, I enjoyed every, you know, minute of it. I mean, it's, it's a great challenge. It's, you know, I always say, you know, he's like, was my 
greatest student. He's my, you know, most talented student, my best student, my uh, toughest student, my <laughs> most frustrating student. My, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like everything all in one, and you you never knew what you know the day was gonna gonna bring. You know, the first time I went to this is a great story. The first time I I went to work with him, I showed up down there in Orlando. You know, he'd called me up like you said, and then. He, you know, said, can you come down to Orlando? I show up down there and he's waiting for me at the end of the driveway. And before, I mean, he's got his clubs on a card. He's ready to go. I drive up and, and, you know, and the first thing he does is he tells me three things I teach that he doesn't agree with. <laughs> like, That's how you start off like, a relationship. You're the one that just called me to like help you. And I thought, wow, you know, I thought this is going to be an incredible ride. Do you remember, do you the, mean, yeah, yes, well, do you remember the three things? Uh, you know, it, you know, not really. Cause I mean, it, you know, I thought now's not the time to have a knockdown drag out. Cause honestly, I was thinking to myself, you really don't know what you're talking about anyway. So we'll just uh, let this go. And we're going to build a relationship first. Yeah. And then those three things, he, he came around on all of them. It wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, an issue <laughs> issue, but, um, you know, it's just that's like setting the bound. You know, like setting yeah. the boundaries. It's like you know, he doesn't. You don't just walk out. Okay, this is what we're going to work on today. It doesn't quite work like that when you're with Tiger Woods. Take us through because I mean, we've all heard the stories of you know how hard he works and yeah. what what is a typical day like in an off week? You you go down to Isleworth. What's what's the day like? What time are we waking up? What are we doing? Sun up to sundown. Well, I mean, he, he doesn't sleep much. No, so yeah. he, he's really gets you know he he uh, he didn't sleep but maybe four or five hours a night. So he's up early, uh, goes to the gym, and, you know, he, he would be in the gym by 6, 6.30 in the morning. And then, you know, I'd be rolling out about, you know, 8 or 8.30 when he'd be coming back. Then we'd have breakfast, and we'd be on the practice tee by, you know, 8.45 or 9. Usually it's short game first, like pitch shots, you know, uh, generally what he would start off with. And then go to the full swing, hit full swing on the drive range, and then he would want to go play nine holes. We'd go play nine holes, um, go eat lunch, back to the drive range, hit more balls, go play nine more holes, um, go work on the, the putting. You know, after that, some more short game. I remember the first time I worked with him, I, 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 we went back to the house like at 6 o'clock at night, you know, and I'm, I go back there and I went up, take a shower, I come downstairs, he's in the gym. Wow. And I said, uh, what are we doing? And he goes, he says, when I'm done with my shoulder exercise, we'll go eat dinner. And that was pretty much like it was pretty much every day. Every day and day, yeah. Day, uh, yeah. And you yeah, guys. So, so it was sorry. a lot. But, you know, I mean, a lot of Mark O'Mara worked. I tell you what, Mark O'Mara probably worked as hard or harder than Tiger. But if you count in all the gym time, too, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of times was overdone with Tiger. You know, like a lot of times, like, you know, we're at the Masters and I'm like, you know, do we really need to go to the gym for like three hours? Couldn't we like go for like an hour and a half and maybe practice our putting a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like an obsession, though, right? It's yeah, like you exactly. had to have that to operate. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, he just yeah. had to have it. Yeah. I mean, he just, I feel like he always constantly has to be doing something. Correct. He doesn't, like he doesn't getting sit better. Still. Yeah. Sitting yeah. still is going backwards type deal. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause there is, well, there is no such thing as staying the same. Yeah. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Cause if you're staying the same, somebody's catching you, you know, and they never caught him. And you as a coach, I would assume when you're coaching Tiger, you got to be on call at all times. If he finishes a golf tournament, you're in Dallas. He's like, Hey, I hated the way my irons were this week. We, I need some work. You got to oh, yeah. be ready to go at oh, any yeah. time. Oh yeah. 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 At any time. <laughs> Was that common? Like after a tournament? If uh, yeah. Spent some I mean, time, like, well, I, mean I need you would, in Orlando if, if, tomorrow. Well, I mean, I was at most tournaments, but you know, he would, he would tell me kind of 
when we're going to practice. Like I always, I kind of, I kind of knew with a schedule because if he's playing, you know, the major, we're going to practice the whole week before the major. So I know that. The only thing I don't know is, is what day we're going to the major, but we're leaving from Orlando anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So we're practicing the whole week before a major. You know, at the end of the year, when the season ends, he, he says, okay, well, we're, we're going to be off before the, um, you know, until the, the first of the year. And, you know, Christmas, he's calling me and, hey, can you get down here tomorrow? I knew we'd never made it one time till the first year. You know, he's, he's just ready to go. And, and then, you know, the weeks, week off, he kind of knew. He, he, if he took two weeks off, the first week would be doing, you know, taking a little time off, but doing his corporate obligations if he had any. And then the second week would we'd be practicing. So, so any two-week off was always the second week was full-time practice, like the schedule I just described. Would you ever do anything other than golf? Was there any downtime uh, at all? Pretty, you know, just at, at, at lunchtime when we'd uh, <laughs> yeah, we had lunch. <laughs> no, they had a basketball court in the uh, yeah, and, and then I'd kick his butt at free throw shooting. You know, I'd piss him off. What's his hoops game like? Uh, pretty good, but I, but I'm better. I'm better. We'd play a horse, and he'd take me out there like four feet, five feet past the th- you know three point line where I couldn't throw it that far. <laughs> and as soon as he missed, I'd just go to the free throw line and I'd just stand there all day until he missed one. Crafty bet. <laughs> Crafty just wear bet. him down. Just, just wear him down. Wear him down. Take, can I ask, I'm just curious, inside your lessons, you're working on full swing yeah. or things like that, right? Yeah. Was he more like, how did you communicate with him? Was he more like technical? He, he responded better to like positions, seeing it on uh, video and things like that? Or was it more like watching the ball flight and, and going I around used that? A, I, I used a... Um, I probably used a video in six years, maybe like three times. Wow. Okay? So we never really did that. Not that I didn't do it. It's just that, you know, I didn't. It could be, honestly, I tried not to do it because he would start, he would see something that I didn't want him to see and he would start work, working on that instead of staying focused on what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, so I didn't use video a lot. I mean, you didn't have really the launch monitors then. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like they've taught... I mean, they haven't taught me anything, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I can't see if it's 3.6. I might think it, it might – I can see it's too much in to out. I don't, you know, it's few degrees too much in to out. Whether it's 3.0 or 3.4, I don't know. But, but you know, it, it, it's the same information that you're using today. You still, you know, you're just eyeballing it back then. Uh, but, but yeah, he, he, liked, he liked technical for sure. You know, he's, he's – and he always has something to think about. You know, there's people that say, you know, you just, you know, I call it Danny be the ball, you know, from Caddyshack, you know, just be the ball. I mean, like, I'm like, who's the role model for Danny be the ball? You know, Nicholas thought about his swing every time he ever hit a ball. Tom Watson thought about his swing every time he hit a ball. Tiger Woods never hit a shot when he wasn't thinking about his swing. Mm-hmm. Mark O'Meara never hit it. Mark O'Meara never hit a shot without thinking about it, except for one little stretch. Mark, Mark went in there like, everybody says, you're thinking too much. And Mark was out there, and he, he's like, he's a, so he go to the sports psychologist, and he's he's now he's just gonna visualize, okay, visualize. And finally, after about a month, he says, Hank, he said, I've been visualizing these perfect shots every single time for a month, and I haven't hit a one of them. <laughs> he, said, he said, I gotta I gotta go back to thinking about my swing. This strategy, shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah he said, so Tiger always thought about his swing all the time. Yeah, he feels like, and I think Phil Mixon actually said this one. He's like, he's the only. There's two types of golfers. There's artists and there's technicians. Yeah, yeah. He's the best at, of each yeah. to ever live. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's good. That's, that's probably good, that's good analogy. Yeah, yeah. That's probably oh, a good way to put it. Well, we do have to talk a little bit because y'all y'all had six years, six majors. Yeah. It was inc- incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then after y'all split up, you did write a book. Yeah. 
called The Big Miss. First yeah. off, I want to know where the title came from. Big Miss. Got to avoid the Big Miss. Okay. Because it can be yeah. taken a few different ways, yeah, obviously. That's why it's a good title. Yeah, it's a very good title. Double entendre there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long before the book came out, How were you thinking about doing this for a while? At what point did you decide, uh, you know what, I'm going to do this? No, I mean, I just, when when I, you know, was done, you know, coaching Tiger, I just, you know, I I wanted to write about my experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I figured, you know, I might catch a little heat, but, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not the first coach that ever wrote a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Phil Jackson wrote more than one book and Joe Torre wrote a book. I mean, a lot of coaches write books, you know, and I'm like, like when people said you shouldn't have written a book, I'm like, am I the only coach that shouldn't have written a book or, or should all coaches not have written a book mm-hmm. or is it just me that shouldn't have written a book? So I didn't, you know, really understand that. I mean, and I looked at it as like, you know what, they're my experiences too. And not just his experiences. They were my experiences. And the book was really about the greatness, you know, that is Tiger Woods. Because my um, number one comment I ever got on the book, and it's a number one sports book of all time. Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, you know, they they would people would say to me, and they were all Tiger Woods fans. They go, "I'm a bigger fan now than I was before," because it was really about the greatness that is Tiger Woods. And you know, it it, it wasn't anything more than that but it was just great experiences i wanted to share them and you know i i i loved writing that book and i loved the comments i got from it too that's awesome yeah, it's yeah. only like one of the few guys in the world that can yeah. give you an actual inside yeah. look on what that's yeah, like people speculate all the time about him but you know they're they're guessing you know i mean yeah. I, I was i was there i spent 150 days a year with him for you know six years um and you know he's he was incredible yeah, there's I mean, not many just, people that can. It's just unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, the experience was unbelievable to stand next to that every day. I mean, I was I would like stand on that drive range. And I think there is no way these guys can beat him. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I just think there's no possible way. And you know, he wasn't honestly. He wasn't nearly as good on the golf course. I mean, nobody is. But I t- I've told this to you know a few people. I said you know. I've taught, I've taught over 200 touring pros. The worst player at taking it from the driving range to the golf course that I've ever coached is Tiger Woods. Wow. That's nuts. Go ahead that's, and save that one because that's going to get – Yeah, that's, that's going to get – Because that's I'm going to tell you what. The game he had on the – he won 45% of his time. He teed it up when I helped him. On the driving range, you couldn't – you thought, there's no way this guy could ever lose. But you're always going to have regression. I'm just saying, like, he he hardly ever missed a shot. Wow. Ever. Like, he would go on the golf course, you know, and he'd miss a couple. But, I, but I'm mean, you understand, he, like, he'd go through a warm-up, you know, all the time and never miss a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. Yeah. So, so okay, that's, a, that's, wow, that's actually that's great. A, that's cool. I've uh, never that leads me to a that. question because – I mean, there, I say this all the time when we're doing TV stuff. Like, you walk up and down the range. Now, not to that level, but very few tour players really struggle on the range. I mean, yeah. that's why they're at that level. But Tiger, as you said, rarely miss it a shot. But yet, he struggled off the first tee about as bad as anybody. Exactly. Why? Pressure. Tiger, I mean, but like you said, there's no one in the world that should yeah. be able to beat him the way he is. And then he goes to the first tee, and, and he's I nervous see and pressure. I see it all the time. I'm like, what? where in the world did that come from? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, it, it is usually in the opening rounds, mm-hmm. okay, because in the opening rounds you can lose the tournament, but you can't win it. So there's more pressure on Tiger, and it's just a, a, a phenomena about him. Because like, he never hit a bad shot. Like, 
people would talk about his driving or whatever. Okay, tell me, tell me the drives he's ever hit that cost him a tournament. Never. There is none. He never hit one. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yet the first tee shot, like most guys, they can hit the first tee shot. They can't hit the last tee shot. Yeah, that's the... he can. He he never missed. When he had to. Well, you hear so many people say, like, the first hole at Torrey, like, yeah. he's always struggled. The first yeah. hole at Augusta yeah. National, he struggled. I was like, if you put that at number 12, yeah. he probably stripes it right down right, the middle right, every time. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, at the beginning of the round, he had wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Like, he could struggle and still overcome it. At the end, he couldn't do that. So he didn't. I mean, did, did he make three double bogeys yeah, at Torrey? Three double, three double and, bogeys. And won the golf yeah. tournament on and number they were one? Just yeah. like, and, and on the driving range, those and those warm-ups were flawless. Yeah. And and he got on that first tee. But, you know, I mean, that just shows he's human. I mean, you know, he he was nervous. You know, I mean, I could tell when he was nervous. Uh, everybody is. But he was never – he never – look nervous at the end of the round mm-hmm. it's just it's just crazy yeah that's when people feel is at the beginning and yeah. at the end when things matter yeah. and then here's the guy who's better than any athlete period in yeah. the world and dealing with the end when most people yeah. just melt and collapse crazy. and the first tee crazy. was the one that was the only yeah. thing that gave him issues yeah. you guys ever like talk about that like dude ah, just first know, tee I, just no, tee just... it down a little and maybe just slap <laughs> it out there well i mean yeah but i mean i just kind of just tried to you know you, you things like that you don't really want to bring yeah. your awareness to it you just kind of try to ignore it but in my mind i'm thinking what in the hell yeah, I, mean, I don't I'm, know how to fix that because I've never seen him do it before. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like people, you know, and then people say, "Oh, he's hitting so bad." I'm like, you haven't stood there and watched him practice because I mean, the guy never misses a shot. I mean, he's just amazing. And you know, I mean, that's the thing, it, you know, because because when I say that, it's it's like when I say, you know, of all the players that I've ever coached, I've never he's the worst at taking from the you know the practice tee to the court. I mean, that's a compliment. That's unreal. I mean, that's like yeah, the highest wins. compliment because. He was just so good, but it's like you guys notice it. Everybody knows that first tee shot. Yeah, he struggled with it, you know. And there were there were times when I thought, man, I just hope we can get this one in play. And Steve Williams would say the same thing. He'd go, man, if we could just and you know, we get off to par on the first hole, you know, we'll be okay. And I'm like, this he's Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? He's Tiger Woods. But it's like, you know, the pressure at the beginning, especially in a major, because that's where you can shoot yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. In your six years with Tiger, was there one event that stands out to you where, like, that's the best Tiger I've ever seen? This is when all aspects of the game, everything we'd work on was fire, was firing on all cylinders. That's the best version of Tiger. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, that's a, you guys got great questions. That's why you're good at this, you guys. Um, you know, or is it, it all of them? Well, no, I mean, it's, not all. it's a lot of them. But the American Express over in England, he was pretty flawless. You know, it wasn't, like, the biggest tournament. It was a big tournament, but... Um, I think it was a world golf championship, but it's not, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a major. He was pretty darn good there for sure. He, I don't think he hardly missed a shot the whole tournament. And then, you know, it, it uh, he didn't win at Oakmont at the open, but I think he, he came second to Cabrera and he hit 17 greens in, on Saturday's round on that golf course. That's you know, not the greatest golf course for him. And that, that was pretty, pretty special, but the best tournament ever was Hoy Lake for sure. You know, and, yeah. and he played that that tournament, but he played that tournament with with pretty much irons only. He kind of decided that in the practice round, and it just worked out, you know, perfect for him because he 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 couldn't get a driver past the bunkers. A three wood would go into the bunkers. His iron would be just short of the bunkers, and he's the only one that could do that because he's the only one that had that low stinger shot. Anybody else, if they tried to hit iron off the tee, they, they couldn't hit it low enough to run it out there, so they'd be too far back. 
and they either had to hit driver or three wood. If you're going to hit three wood, you might as well hit driver. So that gave him an advantage on that golf course. And he, he played so well there. It was crazy. I mean, he hold a four iron and, mm-hmm. on one like, round. And I mean, it's just nuts. He only hit three drivers. It was clinical right? iron. Yeah, three, yeah. Yeah. yeah, was it three? I mean, that would go down probably in history yeah. as like there's the a one greatest par, iron the, the one par five, I think, on the back nine that, that uh, whatever, it's like, you know, there's two fairways to hit it on. Yeah. That's, it's the only one he pulled the driver out yeah. on. Good time to pull it yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I think we could talk about Tiger all day, but we got to switch to a, okay. another man. Let's go. You know, we go from Tiger, who rarely <laughs> mishit it, yeah. to a guy that rarely hits it yeah. in Charles Period. Barkley. Yeah, one yeah. of our favorites, who, yeah. you know, mutual friend of yeah. ours. Yeah. First off, we're not bashing Charles Barkley because there's no one better on the planet right. than Sir Charles, but you're – your experience with him on the Haney Project. We oh, got, we got to talk a, about that. It was about he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's uh, first off, he's he's one of the you know funniest guys. He's just a, he's a, a great guy, and he, he's one of the most charitable people. He's he's the absolute role model for how every sports personality or celebrity should act and treat people because you know it because you guys have been around him and he, he you know he'll take pictures with everybody says hello to everybody I mean he'll buy drinks for everybody I mean he's just he, he's the absolute best and he's the one that introduced my wife Suzanne to me mm-hmm. so uh, it was when we were filming the Haney project and uh, Suzanne was actually w- working for a friend she was like a part-time limo driver and she, she wanted to drive us that night and Charles decided he wanted to drive himself and it was a night that he shouldn't have driven himself. Mm. And, and, but uh, anyway, so Suzanne ended up driving my agent, Jeremy, and I. And then, uh, like, you know, nine months later, we got married. And Charles never lets me forget it, you know, because he, he's <laughs> like the, uh, the the whole reason I, I met Suzanne. So, yeah, he, he's uh, he, he's my favorite. I mean, and, and you know, other guys I had on my show, show were great. I had Michael Phelps and Ray Romano and... You know, I mean, I just Adam Levine. I mean, I had you know great, great celebrities. You know, Rush Limbaugh was on. I mean, it was incredible. But people always say, I, you know, I loved your show. That you know, when you had Charles Barkley, I've been like, I should have just quit after Charles because he's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, Charles is he's so good for golf, and it's so great that he's you know playing better now and he can you know enjoying the game because I'll tell you what, he loves golf and golf loves him, and he's just he's he's the best. I mean, I, I love the guy. I believe. I, I asked him recently about working with you, and he said it, it all started at Tiger's wedding. Yeah, I believe correct. Yeah, you, you said something about working with him, and Tiger said, "Be careful what you ask for." Hank's a worker. Yeah. And the next day, he said, "Hank damn near killed me." He goes, "I wasn't going to quit, but he damn near killed yeah, me on yeah, the range." Yeah, yeah. I know. He he did. He did. He wouldn't let that on when it was happening. Though. I lined those balls up for yeah. him. I used mm-hmm. to line them up in a row. We'd line up. I'd, the guys on my staff would go out there. <laughs> they lined up a thousand balls in a row on on like short tees, and uh, he walked out the door and looked at those balls and and. Uh, he he worked hard though, and, it, and he's you know obviously he's one of the greatest mm-hmm. basketball players of all time. So he, he's he's used to used to working, but he uh, he was fun, and he always you know he always he's great. He's so good on TV, you know. I know he's great on your guys' podcast when you had him on. I mean, he's just he, you know he doesn't have to. It's just it just rolls off his tongue. You know, like Ray Romano's a comedian. He's a good friend of mine. Ray would come up with some great lines when I had him on my show, but you could tell he'd kind of he'd thought about the line. Like Charles, it just it's just flowing. No yeah, one is better on TV, lit. in my yeah. opinion, than Charles. And there's Parker. no one yeah. like Charles knows what he's getting into. Going, he's like, I yeah. stink at golf. This is going to yeah. be embarrassing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. he's willing to just put himself out yeah. there in front of the whole country to be made fun yeah, of, yeah. and he handled the whole thing like yeah. he had the greatest, laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he had the greatest line ever uh, to start the show. We did a little interview at a, a restaurant in uh, Philadelphia, and he said to me, he said, Hank, he said the Golf Channel says I've got the worst swing in the world. 
He said, but they couldn't have seen everybody in the world. <laughs> <laughs> there is. And I said, yeah. They might not need to. <laughs> there's probably somebody worse than you, but no, nobody's ever seen them, Charles. Oh, that's good. The other guys you got, like Ray Romano, Rush Limbaugh, all those guys. How did it work? Were you involved yeah. in that? Like, hey, I'd like to work. If there's some guys out there in the yeah. pool, here's one I'd like to work with. Or they just come to you and say, hey, I mean, you we, got this we guy. Just shot, we just shot for the moon. And, um, you know, when, when we, uh, we tried for presidents and worked our way down from there. <laughs> and and we we did did pretty good with uh, you know I mean Rush Limbaugh had like you know 50 million listeners a week and you know Michael Phelps the greatest Olympian of all time and I mean it, you know Charles was the best and Ray Romano I mean it was, it was pretty incredible the list of guests we got yeah that's out great. of the right? out of the guys you worked with on that show yeah. who improved the most uh, Adam Levine but he had he had the long, he had farthest to go okay. because he was just like he, he was like a, a beginner. And um, my wife was like, you know, you got to help Adam. And I'm like, I didn't didn't even know who he was, you know. (laughs) Got to help Adam. Get a picture. You got to help Adam Levine. And, you know, and and, uh, and then when I had him on my show, you know, all these people, oh, I love your show. My wife even watched it. Yeah, it's because Adam Levine's on. You know. I can see Suzanne. You should watch uh, Help Adam Levine, Bradley Cooper, (laughs) Brad Pitt. A lot of women got interested in the game of golf during that season than ever before. But he he, he improved a lot. And, you know, he loves the game now. So it's it's fun. You know, it's great when celebrities play the game. He's up at Gaza now. Yeah. Yeah. He's into it. They all had to feel easy after Chuck. I mean, yeah. they had to be like, oh, my God, this guy, I say something, and <laughs> yeah, it kind the, of happens. The hardest one, well, Ray was tough because Ray, This I got some great stories here about Ray, but um, he, you know, they told me he's like a 10 handicap, okay? And I'm like, okay. And, and his goal is to break 80. I said, all right, well, I mean, a 10 handicap shoots 82. You know, I mean, I don't even have to coach him. I can just tell him what club to hit, what shot to hit, you know, aim it over here a little more. I mean, I can get him to break 80. The first time we go out and play, he shoots 117. <laughs> I'm a 10. I said, to, I said to his guy, he's got a guy following around. I said, I said, he not a 10. He goes, he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he, I said, he just shot 117. He said, well, he said, come to think of it, I can't remember the last time he broke 90. I said, a 10 handicap is supposed to average 82. So I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to help him. I can just see the writing on the wall. I'm going to catch so much crap over this show. I'm going to I'm going to get him like seven shots better for a net of ten shots worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, and because his handicap wasn't that. But anyway, he he, uh, you know, the last day of the show, he shot eighty. Wow. The last day of the show, and then there was like four times when he had a chance to break 80 since that time, okay? And, and he, he never did it. And he'd call me up every time. He literally, on the phone, said, Hank, I'm on the 18th hole. Oh, God. <laughs> I got I, a no-hitter going. If I, make, if I make par on 18, I break 80. Or he'd text me. I said, Ray, just don't just play the hole. Just one shot at a time. Just play it out. Don't text me and call me what, what you're doing. He'd, every time you do it. Every single time. And, you know, then he, I get the text back. And he goes, hit it in the bunker, couldn't get out. Yeah. And, and he'd, he'd shoot, you know, 81, 80, 82. I mean, every time would just blow up in the last hole. And then last year, he sends me a message. And he, he's filming the whole thing. And he's got, he said, I just want you to know, I got a putt on the 18th hole to break 80. And it's like a. 15 foot putt i'm thinking first off he's got the yips okay there's no chance he's gonna make this putt. <laughs> and, and he he 
and I'm waiting, you know, and anyway, he sends me another message and he's, you know, he's, he's like this. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he goes, I did it. And he's got the biggest, he, he made the putt. Probably the highlight of his life. Oh, it was one of the eight. highlights yeah. of mine too, as a coach. That I mean, it was like so cool. That's awesome. it, it, like he has tried forever to break eighty, and he finally did it. The breaking eighty is a big milestone for someone that's big never deal. done it. And that age, like they didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. grow up playing for golf. For sure, for sure. Do yeah. you still keep up with any of those guys? Yeah, yeah, you used to yeah. I keep work up, with? All of them, actually. So you know, I mean, it's like uh, you know, my lifelong projects. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't yeah, stop. Yeah, they were the Haney project for a, a few weeks, but now they're my lifelong projects. Yeah, like, but they're all great guys, so it's it's you know it's fun. I got one more before we get to the E nine. Do you have you have any interest in coaching tour players anymore? Uh, no, not no? really. But I mean, but it's not that I don't like teaching touring pros or coaching touring pros, but where do you go from Tiger Woods? It's a great point. <laughs> nowhere but down. Yeah, yeah nowhere. You teaching down. any AMs right now? You doing any yeah, teaching at all? I am teaching now. I started teaching again, so I, I built a, a studio at my uh, actually at my house, and I've got an outdoor area that Celebrity Greens did for me. So I got a whole short game area, an indoor studio, and I started coaching, and I'm having you know fun doing it. So I, I mean, I love coaching. I haven't done it in a long time, but uh, I've started up again. It kind of needed something to do, but I, I think my touring pro days are, are done. You know, I mean, yeah. I, it's not that uh, I didn't enjoy it. But um, yeah, might have to come check this it's lab a different out. Beast. Yeah. yeah, you like come it. check this out. All right, let's. I'll get give to you the... a project. If yeah, don't exactly. Want. Make right. sleeves not suck anymore. That's tough to do. <laughs> All right, we got the E nine nine fun questions okay. about Hank Haney. We ask this to everyone. All right, trade lives with anyone for a day, dead or alive. <laughs> you can be anyone. Who's it going to be? Oh my gosh, yeah, Ben Hogan. Mm, all right, just flush it all day. I just yeah, I would I just like that. Like just like to just. Feel what he's doing, see what he's doing. Yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, that would be a nice one. I'd sign up for that as well. It's been a while since I felt that middle. Uh, <laughs> all right, Get some one. of our producers' clubs. You'll never What's miss the that? middle. Yeah, we, our, our producer has got some bazookas like you've never seen before for a new set of irons. Like there, it's a, basically the, like the wedge is a hybrid and all the way through the set. I might need to be in the market for some of those. <laughs> but uh, all right, we're talking about pickle. You got the pickle yeah. hat on. Yeah. Chances we see Hank Haney golf instructor turn into Hank Haney pickleball instructor that's a that's a possibility yeah i I, I don't know how much money you can make coaching pickleball get the right my my rate's a little higher in golf but uh i i I, you know what (laughs) if you can coach any one thing you can coach anything all all you have to do is just learn the uh fundamentals learn you know the the techniques and once you get that then you can apply the same principles that you use in coaching so i mean i feel like i'm you know i got the coaching thing down and i'm learning the pickleball I know you study it too. Yeah, I do. We study. Play I study. I study like I study golf. So I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, I, I like to say I'm a I'm a pro level uh, pickleball understanding. I'm just not a pro level uh, execution. I love it. All right, we can stay on the coaching thing here for a second. My next one. I know your son Henry's a big hockey player, yeah. but let's just say for a second he really wanted to be a golfer and he wanted to take his game to the next level. You could send him to any instructor in the world other than yourself. Who would you send him to? That's a, that's a that's an, another good good question. Oh, man, alive! I would I would have to send them to one of the instructors that's worked with me over the years. You know, so probably Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson. Yeah. That's what I thought you'd say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good question to ask teachers who they yeah. trust. Yeah, that's good. Themselves. That's a good question. You, you, yeah. And you guys are good at this. I'll wait for this doozy. Yeah, hold on, <laughs> it'll get worse. <laughs> Uh, what is, what's more meaningful or more flattering in your career? All right. Coaching the number one player, winning multiple major championships, winning all the awards you want, or 
being played by Jason Sudeikis on an episode of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Did you see the skit? No. Oh, you're not even aware of it? Uh-uh. It was when you were doing it with Barkley. Barkley yeah. was the host, and oh, Sudeikis yeah. oh, yeah, came in as you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. If you go on SNL, that they're imitating, you yeah, know what I mean? Cool. You've done some. And yeah. he went on to play a little character named Ted Lasso. So he, yeah. you might have an argument that yeah. you know, that was lifted that's, from you. That's definitely pretty cool. I mean... Uh, I didn't oh. know that. I got to check that yeah. one out. Oh, yeah. He's in there like early Jason Sudeikis. got the Nike hat on. Charles comes yeah. in and talk, basically just make fun of his swing the whole time. Chuck going <laughs> along with it. And you're like, I, he's terrible. I don't know what to do. It's a lot a lot happens to you when you're standing on that driving range at Piners with Mark O'Meara. It's weird wow. where this life can take you, ain't yeah. it? Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Next one. Most talented player you ever worked with that never made it on tour? Oh, boy. Um. You know, the the best ball striker ever that I coached, one of the best pro or anything, was Trip Keeney. I mean, he could he could really hit it. But it was like <laughs> one day one of the uh, one of our friends came in the pro shop and he said, uh, Trip's playing great. He's gonna he's gonna win the US amateur or he's gonna win the mid amateur or the western or whatever it was he was playing. He says, He's really playing great. And Steve Johnson looked at the guy and said, What, are they not gonna have putting in those tournaments? <laughs> <laughs> so I you know, I, I I didn't think he could ever make it on tour because he, he just you know, he didn't have the whole game. Mm-hmm. But ball striking wise, he He could hit it. He there's no doubt about it. that. But there's a lot more to the game than that. It's had a hell of an amateur run. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of playing some, doing some cool things and some cool experiences playing amateur golf. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, next one from me. Being around Tiger Woods as long as you were, you were around some pretty influential people. I gotta assume. Yeah. During that time, give me one like pinch me moment where not Tiger, like someone that's with Tiger, like oh my god, I can't believe I'm sharing space with this person. Oh man, I mean, you know, all of them. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, Jordan, you know. Shaq, I mean, dinner one night with Kobe and and Tiger, and mm. I thought to myself, "Wow, there's two of these guys like this." Really? <laughs> that, was it just you, uh, Tiger, and Kobe? I mean, like I'm like these guys are both the same. Whoa! Yeah. In like what way? Just their uh, demeanor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One to beat everyone's head in and not settling for anything less. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That's a cool. I mean, wow. you, Tiger, Kobe. Did you even talk that yeah, dinner? Yeah, I just I just sat there. You know, <laughs> yeah. I pretty much just sat there. But uh, yeah. For sure, that yeah. was that, you know that that was uh, definitely. I, I mean, that one stands out. You know, it really does. That's yeah. incredible. Those two get Can't lumped imagine. together a lot in comparisons, yeah. like yeah. just clutch wise. Yeah. For sure. All right, this one's really simple. Obviously, Tiger's been through a lot. We see him playing with Charlie at the PNC, possibly making a comeback again. Will Tiger Woods ever win again on the PGA Tour? I say yes. Awesome. I say he will win again. All he has to do is be able to walk seventy-two holes. Now I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, but if he can walk 72 holes, he can find somewhere to win. There, there's, there's no, not, no doubt in my mind he'll, he'll find somewhere to win. And he, lo- you know, like he loves the mountain. Mm-hmm. He loves to climb the mountain. And this will be, you know, the, the back was the leg. Winning on a broken leg was a big mountain. Coming back to win the Masters on the back was a, a big mountain. You know, this would be the biggest mountain, and, mm-hmm. and he's Tiger Woods. And he's a hell of a lot closer to that than I thought would have guessed a couple months ago before I yeah. saw him down there in Florida with Charlie. It's just a question he's of whether or not he can walk for yeah. 72 holes. I haven't seen him walk yet. That's yeah. really the only That's the question thing, mark. Right? But he's swinging it nice. Yeah. All right. Last one for me. Most impressive thing you ever saw Tiger Woods do with a golf club that nobody else got to witness? Oh, man. we, we uh, th- that's, that's one I, I – uh, 
easily think about. So we're on the second hole at Isleworth. You guys, I don't know if you guys ever mm -hmm. played there, but it's the hardest golf course I've ever seen in my life. And you know, it's course ratings like seventy-seven point five or something. And he's on the back uh, tee on number two, and it's like two hundred and forty yard par three or crazy something. shoot, crazy right? shoot, yeah, ridiculous, shoot. ridiculously hard shot. And we're and, and he's playing two ball worst ball, okay. Mm -hmm. And he hits the first one in there like this. And he hits the second one in there like this. 245 into the wind. Yeah. Through it. And that shoot, I don't know if you've played there. The I've shoot seen, looks like it's six yards wide. Yeah, I mean, I've just is. seen the yeah. picture. People yeah. send it to me and yeah. tell me. Yeah. Hardest golf course I've ever seen. As far back as you could go, he shoots two under par, two ball, worst ball. Worst wow. ball. That's a fun game. To, it takes forever mm. and it's hard. But So you were playing him, what, you just played straight up normal, and he's you're playing against his worst yeah, yeah, ball. He's yeah, got yeah, So, yeah, yeah. You got, he's got to hit two, and yeah. he takes the worst right. each time. Wow. That's like impressive. Opposite yeah. scramble. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, that's good. After he hits the first one, you're probably like, all right. Yeah. I played like, you know, as good as I can play from the back tees and shot like 37 and I lost by three shots and he played two ball worst ball to his worst ball wow <laughs> that's yep, doing it all right last one we talked about your book earlier the big miss let's just say you're going to write a book about Charles Barkley's golf game <laughs> what would the title be <laughs> oh my gosh uh not the best. <laughs> Perfect. So Try not again. The best. Not the best. That would be a good title. Very good. Yeah. I love the it. Books yet to be written. Yeah. I tell you what, hey Kenny, this, this has been fun. awesome, man. Thank right. you so much for joining yeah, us. It's my pleasure. You guys are great. I love you guys. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Hank. All right. Well, that was Hank Haney joining us on Golf Subpar. Sleaze. Wow. First off, I think the quote that most people will take away from that is, of all the tour players I've worked with. No one was worse at taking it from the range to the course than Tiger was. And that's a compliment. The way I mean, I yeah. think people will read that and be like, oh my God, this guy's a dick. I can't believe he'd say that. He's the best player ever. But that's just how good he was on the range when there was no pressure at all. I think that just, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that may be the biggest compliment you can give him. It's like as good as he was in tournaments, he was winning an unbelievable clip with Hank. It didn't even come close to what we saw on the range when no one's around. That's why I'm getting into the question like, what's the most impressive thing, you know, you've seen from Tiger that nobody else saw? And things like that. And also, I, I thought it was interesting hearing him talk about it because, like, from my vantage, all right, you got Tiger Woods. He's already been with Butch Harmon. We know what he's done. People will look at that golf swing and say that's the best golf swing of all time. Look at his records with it and things like that. When you take Tiger on as a pupil, given where he was in his career, I, I think there's arguably nothing but downside. What can you do, like, with the way he was winning major championships and how many he was winning by? Like, what can you do as a teacher to people like, oh, you're, he's better now? It's almost all downside. If he doesn't win at that same clip or he starts losing for a while and doesn't win for a stretch of time, people are going to look at you first and say, you ruined it. Well, you're going to get criticized. You're not going to get praised. Tiger's just great when he plays well. If he wins everything, yeah. it's like, yeah, you're just doing, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You got the most talented player ever. But once again, I, I feel like you, when you talk to all these very well-known swing instructors, they all kind of go back to their, their start. And it's kind of like, look, I got, I got, I got kind of lucky. You know, Marco Maris stumbles upon the range there at Pinehurst. Wants, wants, somebody wants to have him take a look at him. And here's Hank Haney. Goes out there, helps Marco Mira. And next thing you know, he's guiding him to helping him win two major championships. And then that leads to working with Tiger Woods. He didn't even want to go out there and help him. Yeah. He didn't even want to go out. And it turns out, I mean, that kind of launched him. That's the hardest thing with all these teachers. You could have a wealth of knowledge. You'd be the best teacher on the planet. If nobody knows about you and nobody's willing to trust you and kind of put your name behind it, you got to have that first guy. And Mark, I mean, that it launched a hell of a career. Yeah. And, and realistically, that's probably where the Tiger, you know, relationship started. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed that one because I know we did. It was a lot of fun out there. But Slays, it's time to get to a little gambling. 
Our Perfect. people over at FanDuel, the best sports book in all the land. Not our best week at Pebble Beach. It started off looking kind of promising. You had Seamus Power. I thought Seamus was going to shock the world. I was getting some tweets. I was like, don't jinx it, but this is looking weird. He had a five-shot lead at one point. Yeah, through 36 uh, holes. Yeah. Yeah, I had Jason Day, who was four back right going there. into Sunday. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's make a move here at the end of the day. Didn't get it done, but we're going to bounce back. Should have had Hoagie. Because that's, yep. Damn How it. do you not take TCU every I know, week? dude. I should. Starting now. Go. But it's also Super Bowl week. Mm. We got Super Bowl. We got the WM phoenix open we got so much stuff to go on it's going to be incredible fanduel sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of super bowl 56 in addition to the deal for the super bowl you will hear about shortly we also have a special giveaway for any listener who signs up for fanduel using promo code subpar just create an account and be entered to win a get amongst it hat and shirt combo of your choice in honor of the one event of the year that most definitely gets amongst it three winners will be selected and you can enter from now through the super bowl I mean, how good is that? Free get amongst it gear? Free gear and you win money. Use code SUBBAR if you want to be eligible. To celebrate, new customers can bet $5 to win $280 in cash on either a team to win when you use promo code SUBPAR when registering. That's right. You'll get your winnings in cold, hard cash because we know cash is always better than free bets. All right, Salise. I think we're on opposite sides of the Super Bowl. We are, year. which is good. One of us will One win. of us is going to win. Someone's going to win. We're going to be right on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the, oh, the way it should be. But I just think... The Cincinnati Bengals, team of destiny. I like getting the points. You know, even though it's it is technically a home game for the LA Rams, I think Cincinnati's going to show up. I think the crowd will be there. Um, I I just love Joe Burrow. He's incredible. Their offense, if they can protect him, give him some time, keep Aaron Donald Aaron Donald off his back, we're going to be okay. Go Bengals. Yeah, betting against Joe Cool, tough right now. I mean, has anyone ever skyrocketed up the like coolest guy in sports leaderboard faster than no. Joe Burrow? So I hate betting against them, but I just feel like for that reason, you just said home game for L.A., more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the front four, and if you're going to point to one weakness on Cincy, it's probably that O-line. I mean, dude, Joe Burrow gets his ass kicked every single game, and he still somehow to pull, somehow pulls it out every single time. But I just think with all the money they've spent, all the signings they had, Odell, Vaughn, all those guys, I just feel like time is now for L.A. And Stafford been waiting for forever, and it's just the year of the dogs. Georgia seems to be winning everything, so I'm going to just – Probably go with my gut, stick with the Rammies. All right. Well, what a, what a Sunday it's going to be. WM Phoenix Open, and then we lead it right into the Super Bowl, one of my favorite days of the year. Make sure you go onto the app and see which prop bets you would also like to bet. You can bet the color of the Gatorade or just a regular touchdown prop. There's all kinds of things. Get amongst it with our people over at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet Super Bowl 56 than FanDuel Sportsbook. Promotions for new and existing customers. They've got, of course, the best bet in all of sports. Same game parlays where you can combine small bets for bigger wins. Tons of Super Bowl props and more. Tell you what I am going to be betting. I don't know what I'm going to bet it with on my same game parlay. Cooper Cup over. Yeah, you're big on the Cooper Cup. Yeah, no one's. He's the best kept secret in football. He is. Don't miss your chance to turn $5 into $280 in cash. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and use promo code SUBBAR to make every moment more this Super Bowl. Again, promo code SUBPAR exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. Must be 21 years and older and present in Arizona, Connecticut, New Jersey, or New York. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus $280. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. Or 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Or 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369 in New York. Or just embrace the fact that you love to gamble. You know? And you don't got to call any of them. That's, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, well, it's time to make our picks for the WM Phoenix Open. 
The Thunderbird. I'm going to give the Thunderbird the oh, lead this I'll week. I'll take the honor. Okay. And I'm going. I got a theme here on my two bets. I'm going one near the top of the, the you know the charts, and I'm going to go one a little bit further down. But both are champions, and both play this place very well. First off, I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama, 16-1. Mm-hmm. to one. So he's a two-time champ, 2016 and 2017. Seems to be a top 20 machine around here. He hits it high. He hits it far. He does all the things that tend to suit, you know, suit PPC Scottsdale. And getting him at 16-1, to 1, I think that's a pretty good odd. He's been about as successful around here as pretty much anybody. Uh, do you want me to go to my second one, or no, do you want to fire off your big favorite. dog? I'm going off a big dog. He's a little bit down the list. But since I did just play the golf course and I get a feeling of who's who's going to play okay, really well yeah, around this place, inside. I think this place is going to be very, very firm this week. I mean, the weather's obviously not going to be an issue. They can get it as firm as they want, which I think they will. And not many hit it higher than this guy. He's ready to break through. Scotty Scheffler, 27 to 1. Love him this week. Only a matter of time. Frog did it. Longhorn can do it too. You know? Yeah, he does hit it to the moon. Hideki too, which is, that kind of seems to play in every single year out here. That's a big advantage hitting it high, hit it far off the tee, which is a little bit surprising as to why I'm going to go with my next guy and the success that he's, but he's had crazy success mm-hmm. around here. Webb Simpson going off at 34 to 1. I mean, get it while it's hot on Webb Simpson. 34 to 1. 2020 champ, right? Just won here recently. Uh, lost in the playoff to Hideki in 2017. He's damn near a two-time winner, too. He doesn't strike as the type of guy that would embrace kind of the whole culture of the Phoenix Open. Like, it's wild. It's raucous. He's a little more mellow, a little more chill. But, dude, he gets it done. He puts the eyes out of it out here. These greens are perfect. I just think Webb Simpson, I mean, 34-1, to 1, that's a hell of a run for a guy that's one of the better players around this joint. Yeah, he just hasn't been himself the last He's been a little you know, six to ten months. It's been a little bit of a struggle. but Coming yeah, back to a, a happy place, though. Yes, he is. All right, my guy, I'm going pretty far down the board here. Love it. He's also a past champion. I think his game's starting to turn a little bit. I talked to his swing instructor, Mark Blackburn. Things are getting better. The only thing that could hold him back is karma for putting little dick as my Bluetooth in my phone. Could but be Gary Woodley's going off at 90 to 1. 90 to 1. Forget. I'll say this. Went out, played golf on Saturday. We had a great crew. Some big names. <laughs> I'm going to drop some names here. JT, Ricky, Gary Woodland, Max Homa, amongst a couple other buddies out at Whisper Rock. Cold, windy, nasty was playing tough. Gary Woodland with the best round of the day, and it was he was in the group behind, but it was clean apparently. So something to be said for that. He's in good form. He's you know playing some pranks, a little yep. LD on mm-hmm. the old console. So the kids right, he's in a happy spot too. All right. Well, if y'all are out at the WM Phoenix Open, getting amongst it, make sure you come say hi to us. We'll be out there all week having an incredible time, and we'll talk to you next week on Golf Subpar.